Hey, this is Kiran Agrawal from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Rebecca Zikar with us. Rebecca is an expert in executive coaching as well as leadership and career development. Rebecca coaches C-level executives and other senior leaders across the globe. She is also a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes dot com, and is frequently quoted in press on career and leadership issues. With such accomplishments and many such accolades, let's welcome our today's guest, Rebecca Zucker. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to able to be able to speak with you today. Let's begin with your journey, Rebecca. Started in the east coast of the United States. Today in San Francisco, went to Paris. Tell us. Between all these events, when you caught the entrepreneurial bug? Oh wow! In business school, I took an entrepreneurship class. Which one thing, the one big thing I should say that I took away from it? I took a lot of things away, but the one big thing that I took away was that if I ever wanted to do something entrepreneurial, that I could do it. Was very much a spirit of possibility, and it didn't happen for. A number of years after that, that I started my own business, but it planted the seed for sure. And I, I think before that, I had always wanted to be independent in some way, but wasn't sure what that looked like. Totally, totally. And when did you choose coaching as the path of your of your as pursuing entrepreneurship? Did you start as a coach for your first entrepreneurial venture, or what was? It? Yes. So. I had worked in investment banking. I had in New York. I had worked in Paris in consumer products for a global company. And while they were great learning experiences and built a great foundation for me, I knew that I wanted something else. And it was a process to really realize that I wanted independence. I wanted adventure. Those are both important values to me. And I wanted flexibility. That's another important value to me. And those values can be expressed in many different ways. But I ended up moving back to the States from Europe. And I went back to banking, but in a learning and development capacity. And I really love supporting other people to succeed. And I love the intersection of people and business. And so I, while I was still employed at this investment bank, I was exploring coaching, one, by working with a coach myself, and two, taking coaching courses and learning more about the field, which at the time, this was more than 22 years ago, was still pretty nascent and not as mainstream, I would say, as it is now. And so I was learning about it. I knew that I was really interested in it and finally had the opportunity to take the lead. And I did that with a, a business partner, which was a great way to take the lead together with somebody. It took a lot of the perceived risk out of it because mm -hmm. I was in it with somebody. And that just, it felt great to, because I also love collaboration. Totally. I get it. And after you became a coach full time, can you please tell us about the experiences that you have had with the clients? Any success stories in particular that stuck with you for a very long time? With anything which is top of the mind or close to your heart? Yeah, there are a few that stand out. I think the first thing to just mention is that in the work that I do, it's really about growing as a human being so you can grow as a leader. And so these are, are fundamental inner 
shifts that my colleagues and I help our clients make mm -hmm. so that they can step up to new challenges, do new things, accomplish what it is that they're setting out to accomplish, where a lot of times we can get in our own way. And there's one person in particular who I worked with a while back that stays in my mind. And I, it's so heartwarming to see all of his successes. He had a hard time being decisive about various career moves. And what we were able to unpack was there were some things from earlier in his life that made him see every decision as monumental, just massive decisions, even if it was only a small decision. And that's not to minimize the importance of any particular career move, but also being able to see, Jeff Bezos refers to as one-way doors or two-way doors. I like to say that nothing is irreversible except having children. Yeah. So recognizing that if you move to a different city and you don't like it, you can move back. If you take a new job and you don't like it, you can change. So really recognizing that some of the decisions that we interpret or make out to be so much bigger than they actually are. That's not to say you shouldn't take care and be thoughtful about making those decisions. But this person was really stuck and was not able to make really any decision about anything <laughs> related to the choices he was facing. And so we were able to unpack that and see where this came from earlier in his life. And it's one of these things that once you see that, you can't unsee that. And there's a saying that you can't read the label from inside the jar, meaning that when you are in it, when you are so deeply in it, you don't necessarily have that objectivity of seeing things from a distance. And so being able to sh unpack those things from earlier in his life and show him how they were influencing the lens with which he not only saw himself and the world, but these immediate choices in front of him really was incredibly powerful in unlocking those things for him. And once we did that exercise and he was able to see how it was really that he was holding himself back from making these choices because of how he was interpreting them, it was literally day and night. I was actually taken aback at how quickly it unlocked things for him, where literally the next day, and this isn't usually the case, but literally the next day, he made three very big life decisions. He proposed to his girlfriend, decided to move to another city. He took a new job. And oh. since then, he was on this path that really set him up for success because he just had so much more authenticity and was much more self-directed, much more awesome. self, what we call authoring. Rebecca, how did you make that happen? I'm very curious to know what were the secret sauce, what, what was the strategy yeah. behind Yeah, it's not that I made it happen. I led him through an exercise that's very powerful. It's called Immunity to Change. It was developed by two professors from Harvard School of Education, Robert Keegan and Lisa Leigh. Um, and there's a book by that title called Immunity to Change that walks through that methodology in more detail. But it, it's both simple and quite powerful. It can, I will say from personal experience, applying it even to myself, it is life-changing. I get it. I totally do.
my next question to you is along the methodologies or practices that you yourself tend to apply in your daily life and you suggest uh, your clients to do as well. Are there any particular that you use on a more than real basis? There are a couple of tools. One is getting 360 feedback and that can be qualitative or, or quantitative. And that is always really enlightening to see how other people see both your strengths and your development areas, which may coincide with how you see them. And more often than not, there are some differences in what other people see that you don't necessarily see. And that can be very informative and help point to specific development opportunities where a coach can support you in addressing those. The other tool that we like that I very much is called the Enneagram. And it's a personality assessment that looks at underlying motivations for behavior, and it can provide really useful insights into development areas. A, a really great developmental tool that I like very much. Got it. Got it. Rebecca, now I'm going to ask you a question about the misconceptions that you feel is in the coaching industry. Yes, that's a great question. And I'm really glad you asked that. I've had, I would say, a number of conversations and in more, definitely in more recent years where somebody comes to me, either they want coaching or it's their manager who's seeking coaching for them. And they see coaching as somebody who is just going to tell them what to do. And one type of example of this is we work with private equity firms and venture capital firms, and they might say, we want a coach that has operating experience, or we want a coach that's been a head of sales before, been a CEO before. And that type of background and experience is great. I'm not knocking it. But when they say that, what they're really looking for is someone to tell them what to do, as opposed to looking for somebody to help them with their decision-making ability. One very young CEO came to me and from one of these referrals and said, I'm going to talk to as many coaches as possible and then make my decision. And now I definitely recommend talking to a few different coaches, but as many as possible, that to me immediately said something about this individual's decision-making ability. And the first words that popped in my head, I did not say this, was, that's a horrible idea. You have so many other things to be spending your time on. And yeah, it's, I think that's getting back to what the misconception is. Coaching is not somebody to tell you what to do. Coaching is somebody who can be a thought partner, who can ask you questions to help prompt your thinking so that you can come up with the best possible answer to help you shift your perspectives. That's not to say they're not going to give advice or share experiences that they may have either personally had or that they've seen other clients have. The other thing is, do you want the coach who, let's say, has been a CEO before and will share that one experience or that one set of experiences? Or do you want the coach who's worked with 30 CEOs and can share that whole range of experience mm -hmm. and help you develop the mindsets and the skill sets to address your specific 
challenges. Totally, totally. Now I understand why it is important coach to be a coach and not a consultant. Rebecca, my next question to you is along the lines of keeping yourself inspired as a coach. So how do you yourself keep inspired? What are your, what exactly is the way or the routine that you follow to keep yourself? Great question. First, as a coach, we need to walk our talk and do our own work. We need to invest in our own learning and development. Mm -hmm. And so I'm someone who's always loved learning. And that includes not only taking courses or going to conferences, but reading a lot. I also write. I learn a lot from my clients also just doing the work. And that's what inspires a lot of my writing when I see a particular theme across clients. For example, I've worked with a lot of conflict avoidance CEOs, which in some sense, people might be surprised by because they might think that, oh, as a CEO, you're in the top spot and you call the shots. CEOs are human and <laughs> We all have fears and insecurities. Conflict avoidance is pretty much human nature. And sometimes it is lacking the technical skills of not knowing how to start those conversations or address those conversations or, or deal with someone else's defensiveness. But a lot of times, and it's usually some combination, a lot of times it's the mindset around what will happen if I engage in this difficult conversation or if I engage in conflict. One thing that I share with these CEOs is that particularly in a growing business, in a rapidly scaling business, which is oftentimes when these folks are coming to us for coaching, it would not be normal to not have conflict. So mm -hmm. conflict is very normal. And you just want to make sure it is constructive conflict, mm -hmm. that it's not being personalized that it's not attacking, that these are open generative conversations because they can really yield much better outcomes by engaging in them. Totally, I get it. So Rebecca, can you please tell us about the leadership part of it now? Because there are going to be conflicts and a lot of it when you're running a business. So what are some particular tips or strategies that we can apply to make sure that even though when there are conflicts, we're able to resolve them and not fall apart. Yes. So my recommendation is to first, before you engage in uh, conflict, is to really step back and think about what is your shared goal with the other party. It could be an individual, it could be a, a group of people, a department, it could be an external partner, whomever. What is your shared goal that both parties want to accomplish that both parties can get behind that would really promote taking a collaborative approach to solving the problem versus an antagonistic approach and using inquiry versus advocacy. So asking really good open-ended questions. What is your biggest concern here? What would make this easy for you? What would make this a no-brainer? How can we help you accomplish your goals? Taking that collaborative approach, because if you are able to ask these really good questions and find out what the other party's concerns are, one, they might be really easily addressed. Because a lot of times we're at opposite corners of the ring and we're making assumptions about the other party and what they're thinking versus having that open conversation and being curious about what's going on for them behind, we call it the facade. 
So the wall behind which you have not seen, there might be information you do not have that makes their stance make complete sense, but it's information you don't yet. So really getting curious and asking some good questions to get more information on the table so you can take a collaborative approach to solving the problem. Totally, totally. I get it. So Rebecca, if you were to, let's say, before we move forward into the conversation, now I want you to share the best ways of reaching out to you. So uh, please share the ways people should know about, let's say your website, your email, anything that is relevant to reach out to you. Yes, people can follow me on LinkedIn or at R.S. Zucker, Z-U-C-K-E-R on Twitter and or now X. Yeah. Um, uh, I will say worst rebranding ever. <laughs> that's just my two cents. Elon didn't ask me for that. But yeah, I would say LinkedIn or, or Twitter are the best places to follow me. We have a, a mailing list on our website at nextsteppartners.com. If you want to see more about our blog posts and read some of our articles. Yes. So reach out to her guys. Wonderful person to communicate with. Rebecca, final question for the day. And final question is about the action steps. What to do after listening to this conversation? What are the action steps? I would say if for your listeners, if you're an entrepreneur and you are tackling whatever challenge it is, I'm sure there are several. One is to carve out time for reflection, to really look inward and ask yourself some good coaching questions about where are you getting stuck? What's making this difficult? What are you avoiding? What are you afraid of? And to potentially, if it's helpful, engage a coach and be able to share those things because it's always helpful to not only get other perspectives, and, and that's where mentors can come in very handy as well. Mentors will be more on the advice-giving side of the spectrum, but helping somebody, excuse me, having somebody help you see a broader perspective of the situation you're in, because again, being in it, you want to be able to step outside the jar, so to speak, so you can see the situation a little more objectively. So those will be the, the two pieces of advice are make time for self-reflection and engage other people in your problem solving, whether it's a mentor or a coach or other people around you. Wow. So do reach out to a mentor, guys. And if you feel Rebecca is the person that you need to reach out to, then do reach out to her. Some of the best ways of reaching out to her will be mentioned by Rebecca now. Rebecca, please tell us. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Rebecca Zucker, and on Twitter at R.S. Zucker, Z-U-C-K-E-R. Yes. So R.S. Zucker and Rebecca Zucker on LinkedIn. So thank you so much, Rebecca. Wonderful conversation, wonderful energy. Loved the experience. Like you gave me a great time today. Hopefully the audience had a blast while listening to this conversation. And thank you so much for telling us and educating us on the things that we were not aware of yet. So thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And I am your host, Kiran Agrar, signing off for the day. You guys take care. Bye, guys.